Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Malani. Have you ever held yourself back when asked to speak or present? Have you ever apologised for your English or for whatever other language you speak? What's the reason? What's going on with your confidence? I recently watched Call Her Daddy's Alex Cooper on The Diary of a CEO. She really made me think about how I want this podcast to serve my listeners and reflect on one of my confidence markers. I'd actually never heard of her before. In a way, I think listening to her shifted a confidence block related to the podcast that I might not have realised I had or that I was choosing to ignore. The word confidence is hot stuff these days, bandied about, bandied about might be an Irish phrase, kind of like thrown about, just said as if there's no particular meaning to it or that it's only got one meaning and can be altered and adjusted all at once in a way that applies to any situation, like it's one solid concept. I hope listeners, you'll pardon my language here, but bullshit. Much like the marketing hype that plays with your confidence, reminding you of your ills and pains just to get you to buy things. I could do that with this podcast. Play with your confidence. I've had it done to me. At the time when I was really very vulnerable, I got sucked into somebody selling me the solution that works for everyone and I spent quite a lot of money on it. But it wasn't the right solution for me. I could fill your ears with your fears bring you into a state of frenzy, then wind you in towards me, promising you how working with me can change your life. Now don't get me wrong, it can. But not by my feeding you what Mark Ritson of Marketing Week publicly called bullshit long before I got a chance to. There's enough of it out there. I've held myself back talking about this for too long. I actually wrote an article on it that I probably use the word bullshit in a bit too much (laughs) on LinkedIn and still haven't published it. That's what I mean when I say Alex Cooper got me to think about my confidence a little bit. Since I was 18, writing a university paper on the ethics of advertising to children, I've had a problem with hyped up marketing that plays on people's vulnerabilities. I even walked out of a postgrad after an argument with a lecturer on advertising ethics. She said, If you feel that way about this, then you're in the wrong classroom. Okay. And I walked out. But I'm a walking dichotomy or dichotomy. The pronunciation changes, I think, across cultures there or across Englishes for that one. I did my master's in marketing, but I'm just not able to buy into the bullshit. Don't worry. This is about confidence. Now, right now, me not being able to buy into the get you all hyped up and then tell you that I have the perfect solution for you doesn't really bode well for marketing a business online. People are used to being made to feel afraid, then convinced the fear monger has the solution. It's happened for decades, more than decades. It's a nurtured communication mannerism that's going to be hard to rewire. It's in the nature of humans to run from threat towards reward. That's how our brains work. Marketers make you feel threat. Your brain instinctively wants to run away. 
Then they show you this shiny reward and make you feel safe. It's all a game of confidence. They're even now using mental health as a tool. As a a chap called Chance of the Self Space astutely pointed out in a recent LinkedIn post. I think people are starting to wake up post the big C. People have started to question things more, to step back and think, to want real stories rather than empty promises. But it's still rife. It's still out there. It's still playing on people's vulnerabilities and confidence. So this week, I introduce you to the other side of the Gemini, Christine, the non-corporate, semi-compliant thinker, who is once again unafraid to defend the hearts and minds of those who aren't able to do it for themselves. Those who may be sitting in vulnerability, those of you listening who battle with confidence and courage and who could do with some tips for helping you at work and in certain situations to be able to develop it. For me, this is a bit scary. I'm really flexing my confidence muscle. I was going to say, can you hear it in my voice? But I figure if I'm going to show you how to sound confident, I'd very well better be able to demonstrate it, hadn't I? 18 months ago, I left a six-year relationship shattered. A word we use in Ireland when we're exhausted or devastated. Shattered. And lower in confidence than I had ever been or even knew was possible. I had experienced narcissism. I was lied to, cheated on, psychologically warped. And I kept going back for more. I still find it hard to admit. My bravado kicks in. Even now as I say these words there are threads of it. I don't like being perceived as what some might think weak or incapable. But I also recognise the importance of admitting that someone as seemingly confident and strong as I had been can get caught up in the web of blind love that comes with taking the role of the attached saviour. It needed to happen. It was one of the greatest lessons of my life. Not only did this experience teach me about confidence, resilience and the strength in vulnerability, It taught me how to show it. Well, I'm learning. I'm a hopeless romantic at heart, who's always defended those who weren't able to defend themselves. That's what I meant about being a saviour. Most of my teenage life, I was called when the shit hit the fan at home. When I say the shit hit the fan, I mean when there were problems and challenges. I'd have to leave my friends' houses to come home and be available for a cousin or a sibling who was going to need me to support them when their worlds were rocked with the heartbreaking news their parents had for too long chosen to keep from them. I had to be strong. If I showed weakness, how could I support? Who would fight back? As a result, I formed a shell. My sister even wrote me a poem about it, which I can't find, but I know I have it somewhere in my storage. I've still got that tough exterior, with soft, squishy flesh underneath, which only the people I allow to get close to me, or who try hard enough, get to glimpse. I'm improving. It's a journey. It's actually the day that I record the birthday of a guy that I met on the Camino, and when I sent a message To say happy birthday, my message was one of gratitude, to thank him for pushing. Not hard, but continuously probing until he cracked through my shell and helped me to regain trust. 
We're all born oozing confidence. It's natural. Witness the children around you. They don't stop themselves from screaming for what they need because someone might judge them for being too loud, being wrong or sounding foolish. Not immediately, anyway. It's not until a child receives the shock of shame and embarrassment, either from adults conditioned to enforce civilised behaviour in public, or from other children who've learned already how to leverage the power of ridicule, that young people begin to alter their behaviour to best suit the environment or the situation they're in. As we grow and develop, in playgroups, at preschool or before it, and throughout our lives, so too does our confidence and trust. We learn who to trust and when. Sometimes we unlearn it and have to learn it again. But that's what happened to me. For the better, I trusted really quickly and for much longer than I should have. I'm not so quick to trust anymore. On the road to breaking free, just like on the Camino de Santiago, there were stages. Today, I'm going to share one of those stages to demonstrate how to walk the Camino of Confidence, the long and often difficult journey from fear into freedom. I'll also weave in practical considerations and examples of how to sound confident in professional situations, even if you don't feel completely so inside. Let's talk a little bit about the nature of confidence first. Researchers, and I like research, but I'm not going to get too complex on it, I hope. Researchers investigating the idiosyncratic, peculiar or individual nature of confidence state that confidence is the feeling of knowing that accompanies decision making. In a 2017 study published by the journal Nature, researchers found that for most people, Their degree of confidence reflected the perceived probability of being correct. Before you click off, I'll I'll give examples of this. In other words, the more people believed they were correct about what they wanted to say, the more confident they felt. You might say to yourself, "Hmm, I'm sure of what I want to say, so I'm not afraid of judgment because I'm not wrong. But this wasn't the only determiner of confidence. In approximately 50% of respondents, confidence was also reflected by the perceived uncertainty in the task at hand. In other words, the degree of uncertainty associated with what they needed to achieve or understand. We'll consider a practical example in just a moment. To finish on the research, the degree of uncertainty changed depending on whether the task was visual or numerical. That makes total sense to me. I had some issues with teachers when I was younger, slapping me when I got my maths wrong, so it created a mental block on numbers for me for much of my life. I had to retrain my brain when I was in my 30s. I put a load of equations in front of me, like they did in that paper about confidence, and my mind boggles. I get, I'm like, oh, numbers. Give me words and images and my confidence in understanding a task soars. I do words better than numbers. Think about yourself for a moment. Imagine the feelings in the next two scenarios. Consider your knowledge and your potential for correctness. You're at work. 
you're asked to present to a group of peers you know well, who have a similar cultural or linguistic background to you, on a topic you're an expert in, say the key account you manage. How do you feel? Name those feelings. Proud, excited, ready, confident, capable, maybe? Now imagine something different. Your manager walks in. We're hosting the global lead of one of the fastest growing tech firms in the APAC region on Monday. I'd like you to present on how we assist emerging accounts there. But but we don't work in that region yet. I know. We'll need a completely new deck. I'm counting on you. The presentation is at half ten. What happened in your stomach when I gave that second example? Now, if you're used to presenting on the fly, you probably thought, yeah, no problem, no bother. If you're not, I'm guessing your stomach might have done a little flip. Now imagine they'd asked someone to volunteer. Would you have done it? Some of the clients I've worked with would say, mm, highly unlikely to no, even if I'd wanted to. Well, let's change that no to a yes. We start with belief. I told you leaving the relationship came in stages. The episode would get too long if I went through them all, so I'm focusing on the confidence awareness stage. Stage three, awareness of a speaking fear. The journey to the end, when I finally left for good, took eight months. During that time, I lived in this person's hometown. I didn't know the language. I felt quite isolated, despite people helping me to feel included. And I was very ill. Then, at solstice in 2021, I joined Clubhouse. And one day, I went into a room that was full of big voices. Never in my life had I been afraid to speak to another human being, let alone a bunch of faceless strangers. Striking up conversations with strangers came natural to me. Naturally, should I say. I'd been on stage since I was seven. I'd emceed countless different uh, festivals of speech and drama for my mother in front of thousands and hundreds. It didn't bother me. But that day... As I put my hand up to speak, I felt sick and I was in a clubhouse room. I wasn't even looking at people. A wave of panic rushed over me. I started shaking. I felt faint. I put my hand back down. I honestly didn't know what was happening. I was completely disconnected from the self I knew. In that moment, I realised something was very, very wrong with my confidence. I knew that wasn't how I'd have expected myself to behave. I knew I needed to do something about it. I stayed in the room, but I stopped listening to them and started listening to myself. Inner Christine and I had a little chat. What was I saying internally that made me feel this fear? Where was it coming from? What was I actually afraid of? How rational was the feeling? Was I being reasonable by holding myself back? How did I feel about what I wanted to share? How did I feel about the environment I was in? What outcome did I want? 
I spoke a few strong words of truth out loud to myself, reminding myself that no other person has more or less of a right than anyone else to speak and be heard, however big their ego. I connected with my solar plexus and I felt the truth in the words. I created the belief as I took three deep breaths. I put my hand back up. I felt myself choke. You know that moment when you're about to say something that you want to say and suddenly ah, your throat catches? That's energy blocking it because you've been so used to blocking it for so long. I coughed. I breathed again. And I spoke. I kept my voice low and deep. I spoke from my heart and my gut, holding my fingers on my centre. I kept my pace measured. I used pause. I kept it succinct and to the point. Confidence isn't something we can simply change overnight. It's as layered as the therapist's onion, representing our emotions and our experiences. It changes depending on the situation we're in. But it is a choice. It is about belief. It is malleable, flexible, shiftable, changeable. You can change it. If you truly want to and are willing to do the work. So how do you nurture confidence? Start inside. Connect with yourself. Breathing. Feel the feelings when the fear hits. Notice where it is. What's happening in your body? Acknowledge it for what it is. Label it. I feel afraid. I feel uncertain. I feel sick. I feel insecure. Inquire into it. What is this feeling? What can I learn about it? Listen to the narrative, the inner monologue. Inquire into that. What am I saying to myself? What's the source? Did I always do this? Is it learned? Is it projection? Is it new? Fact check it. Like we now have agencies fact checking the media. Well, to an extent. On a scale of one to ten. How true is what I'm saying to myself? What I'm thinking? Is it really true that I... For instance, I'm not capable, that I don't have anything worth hearing. What is the truth? How do I feel about it? What impact is this having on my life? Do I want to keep feeling like this? What do I want the truth to be? Prospect and hypothesize. How would I feel if I approached this differently? If I tried it and succeeded. If this were my child, what would I want them to do? What if I actually enjoyed it? What if they're waiting for me to say yes? What if they want me to try? Notice how those questions, how that shift in the monologue changes the feelings inside. People say practice in front of a mirror or your cat. You can, of course. It'll help with remembering words, phrases and sentences for easier recall, especially if you're working in a second language. But your cat's not in the meeting room and you're not looking in a mirror when you're there. The best ways to push through the panic are to choke 
swallow and say yes. Sit with yourself and imagine you're in the situation. Feel the feelings, let them rock you and work through what I said above. Or get a coach. Leaving the relationship, I had a coach and an army of men and women in my coaching group supporting me. To stay away, I had them and a therapy group. Most importantly, I had belief. I believed I was worth more. I believed that my life, my health, my heart were worth more. The wonderful Whitney sang, There can be miracles when you believe. If you believe, you have as much information as you can get about a topic and are as correct as you can be given the scope of your experience and knowledge. You can be wrong, but not be embarrassed. I do a practice called Wild Wisdom, blending shamanism, Celtic traditions and multiple other modalities. And this month, there are no coincidences. The topic was courage. And my first tattoo was courage and my first power animal was a wolf for courage. Courage is in the name of my business, Language Courage Coaching. It's a massive essence in my, in, in my life. And Michelle, my teacher, said exactly what I'm telling you now. Nobody can validate your experience except you. When we struggle, we become hyper aware of the struggle. The brain makes it the most relevant thing that's happening. We need techniques in place to refocus our awareness so that we can objectively intuit what's going on. There are spiritual ways and physical ways. Let's give you some physical ways now that you can use immediately in your communications to sound confident and stave off embarrassment. I call this preemptive communication. I have a couple of audios on it in the platform. I don't know if someone else calls it that. I'm sure I'm not the first one to talk about it, but I'm claiming the name. The two sentences I just said are an example of it. What did I do? I acknowledged that my experience might not be the only one. Anyone who hears what I've said about confidence and has their own knowledge or experience about the neuroscience behind it might disagree with some of what I've said. Or find it lacking. And to be fair, I can't cover everything in one episode. I'm confident enough in my own learning and experience to share what I am sharing today. It's helped me, my family members and my clients. I don't need anyone else to validate its truth. It starts with belief. There are structures you can use to do this in presentations and in meetings, general conversation. You're basically dampening the trigger before the gunpowder can spark, addressing the elephant in the room, calling out the potential judgment and bias before it hits, before it happens. So you can say things like, say you're presenting on a topic and it's a topic of expertise, but you're not sure if you've got all the information, you've got as much as you could. So you're presenting and you say, from what could be determined, on this topic, from what could be found on this topic, from what could be discovered on this topic. You give the information. Insofar as present knowledge or thinking extends, again, you give the information. From the research conducted, it appears that, this is hedged language, 
indirect but not ambiguous. It permits you to share within the parameters of your awareness or knowledge, giving scope for error or correction based on other knowledge, the other experts in the room, or the big voices that just want to be heard. Notice I kept it passive, removing the I so as not to overly weaken the expertise of the speaker. By using I, from what I could find, from what I could see, you could potentially just weaken that expertise. Confidence requires courage. If you work in English, but it's not your first language, you're already demonstrating courage every day. You have the job for a reason. If you have the skills in your own language, you can transfer them into English. Adapt to new communication mannerisms and choose confidence. Before we go today, I'll share one little story with you. I was watching a girl with Down syndrome on a cooking competition show this week. And she said, you're not confident the first time you do anything. How true is that? Nothing is easy the first time we do it. But it gets easier. As we move from unconscious incompetence to unconscious competence, from needing to look at the keys on a keyboard to playing it like a piano. We feel frustrated, challenged, sometimes foolish, but we don't stop learning. We don't let the voice inside our minds dictate. You're not good enough at keystrokes to apply for that job. We keep learning. We keep pressing the keys until we don't need to think about it anymore. We nurture it until it becomes natural. Confidence is the same. We try, we trip. We keep walking. Acknowledge the blips and rebounds. Treat yourself as you'd treat others in moments of error. Practice self-compassion. Nurture positive self-belief. Nurture new behaviours. Until they become natural. Over time, you'll find you can't remember ever saying no to opportunities. Let alone not enjoying the journey. Nurture confidence until it becomes natural. So this week, a one-liner task which could feel like a mountain you need to climb. But if you don't climb the mountain, you won't ever see the view. Take one small step to bring yourself into an area that might have before made you feel uncomfortable. And create a little ripple of confidence for yourself as you do so. I would love to hear what you do, how it feels and how it felt after you'd achieved it. Please, as always, rate, review, follow and subscribe to the podcast. Find me on social media somewhere and share with me your experience or your thoughts. And if you like it, send it to a friend, particularly someone who could do with a bit of a boost. Until next time, Banak Tee, August Boyekas.